Hello, and welcome to a Mind Matters podcast presented by A Light for Change, where we discuss the who, what, where, why, and how we as a community can make positive changes. The when is up to all of us, and it starts with you. Before I start, let's get into a positive zone, and I'll share my thoughts on a question from Graduate Thrivers, Positive Attitude Zone Cards. The card drawn is purple for relationships, and the question is, what makes someone a friend? I believe being labeled a friend means there is a relationship that formed, but the way we relate is liable to change, and so too the label or degree of consideration. I have friends in all walks of life, some I see regularly, some almost never, but all of them hold a special place in my mind and often in my heart. Some of my friends are only friends under certain functions like all my work wives in the past. I moved on from the role and my ability to relate with them faded, but I will always call them a friend because we have those moments to cherish together. I have friends who lead very different lives than I do, but we ponder the same things in our free time. Whenever we connect, the conversation is always engaging and free-spirited. I have friends from childhood who know so much about me that is deeply personal that years can pass, but it's like being welcomed home each time we talk. You see, I have no tangible qualifiers for friendship. You are a friend if you hold meaning to me, but the intensity of that meaning determines how much I trust them with all the aspects of who I am. If I trust you completely with my diverse personality, you become a friend worthy of engaged, regular interaction. For these friends, I show my returned friendship with an abundance of compassion, unconditional support, an understanding ear, a sympathetic shoulder, and plenty of quirky, over-the-top, tangible reminders that I think of them and pay attention to their needs or desires. While for other friends that mean more than acquaintance, I make it clear I treasure each memory with them and make sure to check in to reconnect once in a while, always making encouraging comments when they share their ambitions socially. This is season two, the role we play, episode 21. Time is eternal, but the journey is over too soon. Enjoy it. Time motivates us and defeats us. We're always chasing it, but it surrounds us. Where you stand at this very moment has experienced a billion things and will continue to experience more once you are gone. With each tick of time that talks by, you leave a record on all that you experience and all that experienced you. The moment gone forever, but if your mark is remembered or you remember the moment's mark on you, it still exists. The more it is remembered, the longer it exists, becoming recorded as shared history. Every studied moment in history is revered for either the sentiment of the moment, the planning that took place or resulted, or the understanding that came in hindsight, though any combination is also possible. For a moment to have relevance, To the individual, there must be a connection to the same factors that give meaning, reason, and motivation to the choices we make. Each second time 
records the conscious experience, perhaps in many places, like the Akashic, but definitely in our dimensional memories. How does time make you feel? How do you feel in this moment? What do you intend to do with the time you have, starting with this moment? If you plan to spend your time doing what is meaningful to you, the journey will give you the understanding you seek. Sentiment is the meaning behind something, generally a choice or an action. The sentiment is what stays when the moment is gone, even if the sentiment was not received as it was intended. The book, The Secret, by Rhonda Bryan, or Byron, sorry, talks about expressing what you mean in complete positives to manifest your desire, but only an elite few will ever be able to manipulate rush hour traffic just by thinking positive. The sentiment of each moment in time continues to impact us well after it's gone because the meaning recorded in the mind as it was lived. The intention we put towards that meaning gives the moment fuel to keep impacting choices, rippling its way through time, ensuring its existence in the dimensional mind. The amount of dedication you put to keeping your intentions that grew as an act of thought will determine your path through universal time as it records the experience of life. Let's take a moment in history almost everyone considers to have left a negative sentiment. World War II. As an example, most people who experienced the war recorded the moment as terrible, giving it a record, a recorded meaning to reference the absolute power is evil. From then on, most of them intended to always stand for peace. Our dedication to peace inspired change that allowed for it and in time changed the meaning to individuals living peacefully under a unit power disguised by layers of united power that allowed for the modern civilized world. Is absolute power no longer evil or has the sentiment been manipulated? Either way, time took its toll, leaving some inspired and others drowning in hate but life continued to be experienced in every direction. A balance of good and bad as recorded on the spot you stand, will stand and have stood. Think of all the interactions you had with people today. Do you remember why you did what you did in the moment? How do you think the other people remember the moment? Were you the good guy, the bad guy, or just some guy? What are they to you? How did you actually mean for the moment to go. Traumas are recorded in our mind and they make us sad, angry, scared, or something that feels bad, but so do good feeling moments. When you're having a bad day, it is you that chooses such. It is no one else's fault that you let things continue to affect you after the moment has passed. I live with my mom who tends to forget conversations and I get very frustrated trying to prove I told her something to no avail. She won't remember, and I can't change that by changing how I explain, but I can recognize it is what it is and not allow the frustration to jeopardize our relationship. 
many people talk about the unfairness of the world without realizing it was themselves that built a wall in their own path. There are so many examples of this, but let's take promotions as an example. You are offered a job that will have you take on a public speaking role, but in high school, you were laughed off the stage, so you deny it in fear of failure. Your intention is to never feel embarrassed like that again, and that's what you did, but you blocked your intention to grow into the positive, or into the position you love and deserve, sorry. There are some feelings I held for so long, I can hardly live without them, like the sense of being a burden, while other feelings I have allowed time to heal. Both the feelings I hold and the ones I have healed have the intention of keeping me safe, either through avoidance or change. Time will change so much about how you feel, what something means to you, and what you do with the feeling based on how dedicated you are to the intention created when the feeling was first felt. Time will test that dedication over and over, forcing you to move along or change your approach. When I was young, my mom suffered from postpartum depression compounded by traumas instilled in her youth and by my stepbrothers in early adulthood, which meant she unintentionally made me feel like a burden. I thought success would prove me not a burden, but I soon saw I was a burden to those I blasted past on my way to the top. I thought I'd be free of that if I helped the unfortunate with my knowledge, but soon realized I burdened myself the slave under the privilege I gave them. I took jobs that helped. I learned to understand and have compassion, eventually labeling myself a helper, but always dedicated to not burdening society. It is our role in life to understand all the depth involved in our thoughts so we can give each moment positive meaning, allowing your choices to align with the intention you hold. You can act with dedication, allowing each moment to help you grow authentically with wholesome sentiment for every moment you experience in life. James Russell Lowell explained this beautifully when he said sentiment is intellectualized emotion, emotion precipitated, as it were, in pretty crystals by the fancy. If all your thought crystals align to match your inner light, the path of purpose will light up, allowing you to plan your journey. It takes time to manifest a desired reality. You may want it now, but it takes effort to make it part of your future. And much of it hinges on what you learned from the past. We are always planning the best way to make use of the time we experience. Depending on the region of time, your desires originate. And when you started to achieve your goals, your plan will change repeatedly over time. Every day, you must manage your time to include taking steps to achieve that what you desire, while also planning how to avoid procrastination so you can avoid the uncertainty that comes with achieving great things for yourself. If you gave someone 10 minutes to write a list of what they would do in a future with no limitations, they will give you a list of hundreds of things. Ask them to schedule their list to be accomplished in one year, and suddenly the list gets divided into importance and urgency. Check in on them after a year and few will have accomplished any other things they wish to do because they let the day-to-day -day stresses excuse procrastination. Time exists simultaneously, past, present, and future, 
all mesh together, playing out a sequence of events that transform your life to experience living completely different than anybody else. Moments gone and yet to come, actively part of the process in action. Sometimes the action seems out of character for someone, but it is driven by thought. Thoughts of wanting a better tomorrow, of healing from yesterday, of every voice that has motivated you or how or tried to hold you down. The end of every bias you're chasing that carrot for. In childhood, we dream, but we also feel more emotion. As we grow, that child continues to live as a thought. As a team, we learned many lessons from reaching beyond what we know. The teen lives on too. Also, a thought. All stages of your life live in their time, feeding information to the present. I'm a bit odd, and I use the dimensional mind to explain the time-space model. I needed a way to explain why I continuously feel what is not here. The answer only came to me after my son became an angel. Tangibly, reality exists in the first three dimensions. In the fourth, our emotions rule. In the fifth, reason. But in the sixth, life is recorded and read like a bedtime story to our subconscious mind by our soul. Most of the time, we don't process this. But for myself, it is like my soul watches me as a movie on repeat, screaming at the screen, No, you fool, don't go that way. But at such a volume, I hear it, like a coach from the sidelines. With all these regions of time existing cohesively to mold your choices for the moment in play, it can be hard to focus on all the other factors controlling your choices as well. These factors are external, but still require use of your time, like family responsibilities, work, friends, fun, learning, and so on. You can just give all the control to the regions and factors, but you will likely find yourself bouncing around like a pinball. Before my breakdown, I was like an energizer bunny, but after everything became so difficult, I could hardly keep up. Since then, I've been training myself to make pebbles of action out of bolder reasons, to act always breaking each task into smaller, more manageable parts, assigning priority, and just doing my best. Stephen Candace Time Management Matrix with its four-square system, is the basis of how I break down my day into parts. In this model, you create an image with four squares, labeling the top square important and urgent, the top right square important, not urgent, the bottom left square not important but urgent, and the bottom right square not important and not urgent. And within those squares, you will label all the things you have to get done to start with the hardest task. It can only get better from there. Make sure you do something you enjoy once you get started. Move on to something you have been putting off, using the motivation and energy to focus what you felt from working on the task you like. Next, do it for only five minutes at a time. You can do anything for just five minutes. 
After five minutes, ask yourself if you can keep going for another five minutes. This technique is called the Pomodoro Technique, which means you do five activities for five minutes, totaling it to 25 minutes four times, which equals 100 minutes, plus a five-minute break between each, which equals 120 minutes, repeating four times with a 30-minute break between each, equaling a 10-hour day. Another technique is the Ramada Technique, developed by Francesco Cerrillo. Once you've gotten all of your things on the list, start tackling the squares, starting with the top left, and then bringing yourself to the bottom right. Make it fun. If the task is hard and is boring, find ways to make it more positive and enjoyable or worthwhile. For example, play your favorite music in the background. The most important and urgent thing in my everyday is looking after my children. All of my children go to school now, so this activity must take place before and after this time. I no longer need a list, but at one point I listed all the small tasks involved in looking after my children, from waking them up to getting them on the bus. From 6.30am till 9am I do each task with a goal of 5 minutes, then take a break for 5 minutes after completing 5 tasks. Once the kids are gone, I do the same with cleaning, working on the social enterprise, and other tasks, like banking and budgeting. When I am done everything from the top two categories, there's often not much time left, so I use the tasks from the bottom two categories as reward activities during breaks or weekends off. And that is where reflection comes in, to give it relevance. Take some time to get to know what you procrastinate about. Try to notice when you choose not to do something you know you need to do. It can be helpful to make note of what you put off. Do you intend to procrastinate about work, relationships, taking care of your health? What sort of things do you do when you procrastinate? What do you do instead of what you need to do? Do you check your emails, clean, putter around the house? Do you sleep or play games? Do you find a reason to do something that gives you pleasure? What excuses do you make for putting things off? Do you tell yourself that you're too tired? Is the weather too nice or too off-putting? Do you have enough, not have enough time? Even if these are true, it may still be possible for you to make a start on something you need to do. How do you really benefit from procrastinating? If there were no advantages to putting things off, you wouldn't do it. Procrastinating can make you feel better in the short term. You get a break. You don't waste a beautiful day doing something you don't want to do. The problem is that in the long term, things get worse and result in you feeling more pressure, more stress, and even guilty for procrastinating. I put off chasing my dreams most of my life because my complexities resulted in safety behaviors that kept me all around happy so I wouldn't burden anyone else. I had to realize after some serious thought that admiration from my peers was not actually making me happy. The advantage of being accepted was actually a hindrance to achieving personal goals. I put myself off for so long I forgot what I wanted and who I really was. I wanted to rediscover myself, but I felt guilty. I should be mourning. It didn't take long for me to say, I can wait again. Life for change needs me. 
and the money saved for my dreams became allotted to Light for Change events. It is our role in life to make good use of the limited time we have to experience life by planning to experience life fully. In search of authentic joy, managing your time to allow for personal growth while still being productive and social, as well as a good family member and avoiding procrastinating on the hard, uncertain things that it will allow you to transform under the awareness time grants instead of resting in complacent content clouded by ignorance. You will never find time for anything. If you want time, you must make it. Charles Buxton. Plan for your future, because that is where you are going to spend the rest of your life. Mark Twain. Plans are of little importance, but planning is essential. Winston Churchill. Time flies. It is up to you to be the navigator. Robert Orban. Always plan for the fact that no plan ever goes according to plan. Simon Sinek. Plan and execute your first failure so you no longer have to fear it. John C. Maxwell. You must plan to understand the journey. The journey is yours to dream, and you will be molded to fulfill what you manifest as time grants experience that lets others understand the marks you left on times together. No matter which quote you look at, time is precious. Understanding time is a puzzle, even for the academically astute. And though I have my theories, what fascinates me more is the understanding that is granted to each of us over time. Each of us experiences their lifetime very different, so we can feed understanding from every radiating point to the universal consciousness. Time has the power to heal, only because in time can you understand the good that resulted. Every experience seeding valuable data to reference along your quest that gives life meaning to the immortal mind. There are so many moments in history that wouldn't have happened with today's understanding of human behavior, except we didn't know better then. We, were, we thought we were doing what was right. Only time revealed the wrong from which we learned corrected, improved, and established new proper etiquettes. Slavery was better than slaughter. It spared lives, diversified the breeding stock, produced labor, and much more. But time revealed it to be cruel, so we abolished it and replaced it with capitalism, driving everyone like slaves for the dollar. Time heals all wounds if we allow it to teach us, slowly creating a scab of knowledge that falls off, leaving repaired and more equipped you. Thought, it infects everything around us until the negative consumes you or the positive overwhelms you. Nothing we know now we understood as a baby, but we learned it from each failure and success along the journey of growing up. Multiple times throughout my youth, my body was taken against my will to gratify the twisted desires of another which formed a number of safety behaviors, but the more I repressed my sexuality, the more everyone reacted to it. Like, it was an intoxicating mist that just surrounded me. Time showed me it was not sexual, just energy. It was my lack of interaction with the receiver that made it sexual. 
Time showed me how to invite the intrigue in with compassion, adjust their crown, and say, now, go get them, buddy. Still, not all see my heart, but I'm getting there. Compounded experience produces tangible data to analyze, resulting in valuable understanding. I think about when we were young in elementary school. You learned how to sort blocks. That was the seed for algebra. Each time you date someone, you gain a seed of knowledge about your preferences and desires. Each time you interact with someone, you gain seeds of knowledge about trust. Life is chaotic, and our brains learn to understand by gathering and sorting all the reference data, all the small details available from the source. My quest through life seems to always have been to understand happiness. I was raised Catholic, which, is, which describes sacrifice as the method to be happy. So I gave all my time, money, and things away, but was still unhappy, only now with less to help myself. I searched for decades, finding method after method until enough seeds have been planted for me to understand that happiness is a choice. We choose to be happy through awareness, connection, being rooted in natural reality, having faith in good, and in sacrificing to help others. Every second of every day, I choose to be happy because of all the seeds that gave me information on how to do so. Only once we have lived through time can we see the meaning we left like a fingerprint. The most, though most choose to procrastinate reflection until on their deathbeds, the fingerprints are how we were remembered, gaining us immortal existence. Something is only gone when it is both gone and forgotten. Many cultures call this the second death and do everything in their power to prolong it. They have special days to hang photos, share stories. Some even exhume bodies so that even generations that never met them will give them thought, ensuring they exist. We create tombs and grave markers to tell strangers to ponder on the person for a moment. All this effort is what is meant by being immortal. The gods of man from Greek, Egypt, Africa, Asia, and Europe are immortal because they are forget forever a topic of discussion and thought. Royals and rulers live on for the same reason. You can be immortal in the same way. It doesn't matter if people remember you for good or bad, just that you were remembered. The legacy or story is a tool to keep you alive but is created while you live. I keep my son, dad, and sister alive, sister-in-law alive by sharing their stories with my children, reflecting with family and friends that knew them, and continuing to celebrate their special days. But I have family I never met, whose stories I cannot share, and so it will only be a few more generations, and they will be gone, except for a name marker on a family tree. It is our role in life to understand all that time provides to us. We are responsible for allowing time to heal, to see value, and to create meaning. So we leave heaven on earth and walk our stairway to the nirvana, nirvana that is heaven in our minds, with our book of life brightly lit 
which will be perfectly placed in the Akashic big picture. Understanding is deeper than knowledge. There are many people you know and many people who know you, but few understand you. Nicholas Cage. It is even harder to understand yourself. Please understand this. Bad chapters can still create good stories. Wrong paths can still lead to right places. And failed dreams can still create successful people. Sometimes it takes losing yourself to find yourself. Cynthia Turlow. Understanding that time is our alley. Don't chase it. Embrace it. No one can master time, but everyone can master how they impact time and receive the fruits of time. Allow time to give each moment sentiment, guiding you to plan a journey that flows to your authentic purpose, gaining understanding of what it means to live life to the fullest, having joy in your heart that is remembered long after you are gone. Remember time reveals things individuals must experience. As I leave you to think on this topic, I challenge you to think about this mindfulness exercise until then as well. What concepts of, and emotions come up for you when you think about time? Do you feel time controls you, guides you, or frees you? What do you think is at the end of your timeline? How do you feel memory impacts time? Do you think time remembers you if you were remembered by others? I will close the conversation by drawing another card from the Positive Attitude Zone cards. The question will be the opening question for next episode. The card drawn is yellow for forethought. And the question is, what would you do if someone was mean to you? We will get to that next week. But in the meantime, you can get your PASS cards at graduatethrivers.com. That's spelled capital G, small r-i-d, capital U, small i-t, capital T, small h-r-i-v-e-r-s.com. Stay wonderful, wholesome, happy, open-minded, and natural. Smile as much as you can. Take care until we talk again. This has been Heidi Hardy on the Mind Matters Podcast, created by Light for Change. Have a wonderful day.